Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening. Today, like Barrett said, uh, we're talking about our call to discipleship, engaging in community and learning. So each week we're gonna be looking at a call that God has on our lives, and this is today. So what is discipleship? If you're here and you're like, kind of a big word, or I've heard it a lot, but what does it really mean? Well, here at ICC, we say it this way, that discipleship is, or Christian discipleship specifically, is an invitation to reorient all of our reality to God. Reorient all of our reality to God. Here's the thing, whether you know it or not, every single day you're being discipled. You're being formed. You're being oriented in ways, okay? The messages and the stories you believe and the people you're around are shaping you. Okay, and so what we do in discipleship is we say, God, we want, I want my life to be oriented around you. So when Jesus was on earth in his ministry, he would call people to follow him. He'd say, come follow me. And what he meant is, you know, of course, believe in me for who I am, but also learn to live like me. These people became known as his disciples. That's where the word discipleship comes from. Um, Before he left them, Jesus gave them this command that we now refer to as the Great Commission. He said this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the end of the book of Matthew. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' parting wish to his disciples is, hey, go and multiply yourselves. Go and make more people who believe in me and follow me. So that's why we say this as a church. We believe that a disciple is someone who lives in loving relationship with and joyful obedience to Jesus. Jesus invites us to find life in knowing him. And he says, if you really truly know me, you'll love me. And if you really love me, you'll obey me. So it's a relationship and it's seeking to live in obedience. And it's in doing this that we find our purpose, which is what we're all after. That's why we say it this way in our mission statement as a church, that we're being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. And when we talk about discipleship, we wanna have a way to measure how we're growing. Okay, but here's the thing about measuring discipleship. We don't measure in the same way that we might other things. We don't measure numbers or any activity. What we measure is who we're becoming. And so we have these, we call them measures of a transformed disciple. I'm just trying to kind of orient you a little bit um, to kind of what we're talking about when we say discipleship. Maybe you've seen some of these. These are six measures as a church that we say, if we're gonna measure anything in our discipleship, let's measure these things. Let's look at our lives together and ask, are we growing in these things? They all have definitions that are derived really directly from scripture. And we'll hit a couple of them today. I wanna start by showing you this last one, this final measure, expanding discipleship. We define it like this, a commitment to grow in relationship with Jesus and intentionally invest my life in others to do the same. This really represents what I want for you. (laughs) If you could take one thing away from today, what, what, what am I asking of you? What am I encouraging you towards? It's this that you would be truly committed to growing in your relationship with Jesus this next year and doing it with others. The question is how? 
We believe here at ICC, we really believe that the local church is the primary context in which disciples are made. Doesn't mean we don't grow other ways, but we believe that the New Testament really decisively teaches that the local church within your local body is primarily where we grow as disciples. And so because of this, we work to kind of take a holistic approach to discipleship. And that's where these two things come from, community and learning. We really believe that discipleship is driven by a combination of these two things. They're not... They're not opposed to one another or completely separate from one another or even exclusive to one another. We know they overlap in many ways, but we do believe that they work together. We believe that these are the two things. It's our biblical conviction, y'all, that these are the two things that we need most as disciples, if you could boil it all down. And I want to just kind of help you understand today, we're going to spend most of our time talking about community uh, because I believe that's the most natural next step for most of us right now into a new year of growing together as disciples. But I do want to just take a moment to emphasize the importance of learning. Um, if we look back at the Great Commission, we were just reading a minute ago in Matthew 28. So after Jesus says, okay, go make disciples, basically bring people to faith and baptize them, which shows that they're identifying themselves with Jesus, they're coming into uh, his people. Then he says this, teaching them, to obey all, to observe all that I have commanded you. They were testing me back there with the slides and I got, got the word wrong. Um, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus's definition of discipleship is not just believing in him, but learning to obey him in all things. The, uh, the rest of the New Testament echoes this. One example you might be familiar with, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul says this to his, his protege Timothy, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So y'all, we believe here at ICC, I think you know this if you've been around. If not, if you're new, I just want you to know this. We believe that consistent learning about what the Bible says and what it means for our lives, how God would have us live is an essential and indispensable part of our discipleship. Um, I don't feel a strong need to convince you of this. I think for most of us, when we think about growing, if you think about growing your faith, you probably think about learning. You think, yeah, probably I wanna learn the Bible some more, right? Or, oh, I wanna know what God says about this part of my life, you know? And the reality is, y'all, we live in a, uh, a highly intellectual culture, really. Um, both kind of just in our, in our communities, but also even as a church. I mean, um, many of us are pretty well-educated and maybe work in careers where you, you use your mind a lot. Even if that's not true, chances are, if you're in this room, you're probably more educated than most of the world. And that's a good thing. It's a really good thing. And we're, you'll see this today. We're gonna get really practical at the end. We're as committed as ever to providing really robust opportunities for you to learn this year and the ways that you need to grow as a disciple. Um, but at the same time, I think I feel more convinced than ever that learning in itself is not discipleship. You know, if, if, if the world of Christian education has taught us anything, it's that um, just accumulating information about God is not enough to change your life. It's just not. And when Jesus says, come follow me, he's not primarily saying, come let me teach you theology, although that's part of it. Primarily what he's talking about is come and live like me. Come and practice what it, what it means to follow me, to, to be like me. And this can only be played out in community. It, discipleship 
has to be incarnational. We live out real life with real people in our real church. And it's a beautiful thing. Y'all with me? So that's why today I want to just spend some time focusing in on community because we believe all these two things do work together. Giving them individual attention allows us to give appropriate priority where it's needed. And I believe this is where the priority is needed this morning. So community. We're gonna ask and answer three questions. Uh, Why community? Why is it such a big deal? What is it? And how do we have it? Um, I'll just be honest with you. My goal for today is to convince you that you need this kind of community. You need real biblical community. If you already believe that, if you're like, oh, already with you, don't check out on me. Because my goal for you is to call you back to this vision, remind you what the Bible says that this community should look like, and let's figure out how to kind of flesh this out in our lives this year, okay? That's what we're gonna do today. So let's start out, why community? Why is it so important? Why are we talking about this so much? Why do, I, why do we need to spend a whole day here? Well, first off, most fundamentally, you were created for it. So if you look at the very beginning of the Bible, um, in God's creation of, of human beings, Genesis chapter one, verse 26 and 27. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. So one of, this is the really first and most fundamental thing about human beings is that we are made in the image of God. We're made to be like him and to reflect his nature and his character. And one of the beautiful aspects of God's nature and character is that he is relational. He's a relational God. In fact, I want you to notice here, uh, look at the pronouns God uses about himself. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Who's he talking to? (laughs) What we know, the rest of scripture teaches us that God is himself a community. God has existed eternally as three distinct yet perfectly unified persons. That's what we call the doctrine of the Trinity. We were just singing it in that song, King of Kings, praise the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Uh, Even Jesus, when he talked about baptism, he said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So what we know about God is that our God is a Godhead. These three persons of God, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have existed in perfect community for all all, all of eternity. And they were all active in creation. Creation itself is not just a product of God, the Father. We learn this from other places in Scripture. So this is more than just like a theological doctrine to grasp intellectually. It's really hard to grasp intellectually. And if you're feeling that, that's cool. Everybody feels that way. But it's also beautiful. It's mysterious and it's beautiful. The point is this, that uh, when we say we're made in the image of God, that means that we are made for deep relationships. We're made to be like a God who lives in loving, joyful, beautiful relationship with himself. So we're made for that as well. And we all know this, y'all. And there's, there's been, you could Google, you could find countless studies, scientific studies that prove just this. They prove what really we read in Genesis chapter two. Uh, God says about Adam, it's not good that the man should be alone. We all know this. Who likes being lonely? <laughs> I mean, we live in an age, y'all, of constant connection, but this plaguing loneliness. And we all know it. We, you know, no matter how much we scroll or post or talk to people, we can, we can feel connected yet also feel really lonely because we lack depth and intimacy in our relationships. 
Sometimes we find ourselves in a room full of people and we still feel lonely. (laughs) Y'all with me? The people around you feel this too. Nobody has to teach you this. We know that we're made for relationships. We are created for community. But not only are you created for it, if you're a Christian, you've been called into it. So the Bible teaches us this, that the very same gospel that we were just singing about and have already worshiped God for, what he's done in Jesus to bring us back in a right relationship with God, that very same gospel that brings you in a relationship with God brings you in a relationship with his people. This is a, it's, it's, it, they work together. So I'll give you a quick um, look at this. So look at Ephesians chapter two. I wanna just uh, remind you, you might be familiar with this, but I wanna remind you of some of the pictures that the New Testament gives us of the church, God's people. Ephesians chapter two, God has just laid out this really, uh, I think I said God, Paul has just laid out this really awesome gospel explanation of what, what God has done in Jesus to bring us back into relationship with himself. And, and he says this, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So what are the pictures we see here? Let's look back at it. Um, you're citizens as of a nation, a spiritual nation, right? Members of the household of God, you're a family. Other places, Ephesians 1, Galatians echoes this idea that we're adopted into God's family. He goes on and describes basically we're a spiritual building, a temple, a house for God. First uh, Peter echoes that too. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 calls us members of a body, like a hand or a foot or a head. So what do all of these metaphors have in common? They're all communal. They, they all lead us to see that we can't separate our individual identity as Christians from our corporate identity as the church, as God's people. There's no... There's no category in the Bible for like a Lone Ranger Christian. You might be here today and you might have lived that way where your idea of your faith is it's kind of like me and Jesus and we listen to podcasts and I read my Bible and we pray, I pray to. And that's all good, don't get me wrong. Personal relationship with God is so important but I do think our American like individualism has influenced a lot of how we view our spiritual life. And we've potentially at times overemphasized our personal relationship with God at the expense of the, the truth is that if you look all throughout the Bible and God's redemptive story, he's been after a people, not just individual persons. That's why, he, that's why the New Testament gives us those pictures. Oh, you're a family. You know, you don't get to have God as father and not have siblings when you're adopted into the family. You're a spiritual house. You're, you're a member of a body. Y'all, we need each other. (laughs) Y'all know that? You're not made, and again, like you may have been in a season like this. You might be in one right now. So I'm glad you're here because you're not made to follow Jesus alone. We need each other. Look at the person next to you and say, I really need you. Now, if you have somebody on the other side, let them know you need them too. We need each other, guys. And that's not weird to say. All right, all right, all right. You're saying way more than I told you to say. You like started a whole conversation about why you need them. 
Okay. The point is, why community? You're created for it, but if you're in Christ, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, you're also called into it. And it's really, really good for us. It's absolutely essential. It's not optional. Jesus didn't call a disciple. He called disciples. And you almost never read accounts of Jesus um, working with a disciple alone. Not that he didn't, but he's primarily focused on his disciples. So why community? You're created for it, you're called into it. Now, what is it? All right, we've talked so much about it. You're like, okay, you've sold me on it. Now, can you tell me what it is? Is community just hanging out? Is it just having friends? Those are part of it, but that's not the fullness of community. I wanna show you, I wanna bring back one of our measures from earlier. Uh, we call it covenant community. It says this, a choice to live in authentic relationships, selfless interdependence, and loving unity with other believers in the local church. So this is not just a, something we made up, like I said earlier, this is directly from scripture. And I wanna help you see that, okay? So uh, we're gonna spend a little bit of time in the book of Acts today. If you'll flip with me to um, Acts chapter two, I'm gonna read you a section from the end of Acts chapter two, and then also from the end of Acts chapter four, we're gonna kinda uh, take them together. But I wanna, I wanna help you see where this comes from. And not just see where this comes from, but see what this means for us. Like what are we called to when we say we're called to discipleship, specifically community. So Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42, y'all with me? I'll be reading from the um, ESV. It says this, they devoted themselves, real quick, sorry. This is the, you know, the early church, right? Pentecost just happened, the Holy Spirit came, the, the church has begun basically, and people, these believers in Jesus start forming community. Here's what it looks like. Just li follow along with me and, 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 really try to receive this description. This is a true description of covenant community. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If you flip over to chapter four, starting in verse 32, it says this. It's a similar description. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. It's pretty cool, right? There's a lot we could draw out here, guys, but I wanna, I wanna help you see kind of these three key elements that we outline in our definition of covenant community and where they come from and what they mean for us, starting with first, authentic relationships. And what this means is that we're called to share life. We're called to share life. Y'all look back at these people, starting in verse 42. What are they doing? They weren't just hanging out. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they're learning together. Note that. That's the first thing it lists, that they're learning together. 
learning the scriptures, learning the truth about Jesus. And the fellowship, this, uh, this word is, feels kind of weak in English because like you think of just hanging out. Really this Greek word koinonia, you've, you might've heard that before. It really, it, it, it carries more of a weight of like partnership. We have this shared participation and commitment to something. We're in this together. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. So they're, they're, they're praying together, they're worshiping together, taking communion together. Later on it says day by day. So just daily life they're sharing, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So they're at church together and they're at home together eating meals. They receive their food with glad and generous hearts. So y'all, this, what I mean by this is, this is really just all about letting people into your life and pursuing others to be invested in their lives. Y'all, it's so easy in our culture to kind of build fences around your life and keep people at an arm's length. But are there people right now in this room, if you're new, you know, no pressure, but are there people right now in this room that you can look around and say, yeah, they know me and I know them. I know what's going on in their life. I know how to pray for them. I know, I know kind of where they're at right now. And, and note too, guys, this, this community is not... Um, it's not just for themselves, it's intentional towards God. So think about, um, similar to the story in 1 Samuel, David and Jonathan, they're best buds. And when David is like at his lowest point, it says, Jonathan strengthens his hand in the Lord. So we're not, a, we're not a self-help group. Nothing wrong with self-help, but that's not what we do. We're not just empowering one another in our own strength. We're pointing one another to God. Community is the context in which we're both really exposed for who we really are and also encouraged towards obedience to Jesus. So my question to you is this, like, are you sharing life? Do you, do you, do you want to share life in this way? We were with just some of our community group just the other night. We missed each other because we haven't seen each other as much over the summer. And it's just like, if we go a couple of weeks without seeing each other, we're like, we gotta catch up. We've gotta share life. They need, oh man, they need to know what's going on with us. We need to know what's going on with them so that we can encourage one another. It's worth noting here too, you, you probably notice in our definition of covenant community that this is primarily for, um, it's just we share life with other believers in the local church. It's not to say you can't have friends outside your church. We should. Um, but this kind of sharing life, you can't do it with everybody. It requires a lot of intentionality. And so what we're saying is we, God's design is that we primarily share life with others who we're mutually committed to in the context of a local body like ICC. Y'all with me? So we're called to share life. That's authentic relationships. Second one I want you to see is loving unity. And this means that we're called to be one. Did y'all uh, read some of the descriptions of, of this community? Uh, chapter two, verse 44. All who believed were together and had all things in common Chapter four, verse 32 says, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. So y'all, as they devoted these people in this community, as they devoted themselves to Jesus together, they, their miraculous oneness with Jesus through the gospel gave them miraculous oneness with one another. And this is what I was referring to earlier when we looked at that um, passage in Ephesians chapter two. The, a, a natural byproduct of relationship with God is 
supernatural relationships with others. Supernatural unity, that's what we're talking about, y'all. And here's why. Because through the gospel, God brings his people together, he makes us one, and, and that has nothing to do with any other common ground. So here's the thing about natural relationships. Natural relationships, and what I mean by that is a relationship that could exist with or without God, with or without the gospel. They're built on common ground, right? Like we, you share a hobby with somebody or you're interested in the same things or um, you have similar political views or your, your race, your ethnicity or your background or your education or your career, whatever. These preferential things that we find common ground with people on. That's not a bad thing at all, it's good. But what we're saying here is in supernatural community, we don't need that. It's great if we have it. It's great when you meet somebody and you just hit it off and it's easy, but you don't need it. You, we can have the same depth of community with someone who we have nothing in common with except that they also are devoted to Jesus. And that gives us, y'all, that gives us a durability to our community and honestly, a stability to our community. This is where loving unity and oneness comes from. And this is a great concept. Everybody likes this, right? It's like world peace, loving unity. It's like, I'm down, love it. But here's, here's the question. I wanna just kinda press in and get real with you here because what happens when it gets hard? Because I'll be, just disclaimer, if you're new, I'm gonna go and spoil something for you. Um, we're not perfect here at ICC. We're real broken. And sometimes community gets messy. And some of you know this. If you've ever, if you've hung around the same people long enough and you've, long enough to get frustrated with them or annoyed with them or offended by them or disappointed in the investments they're making in your relationship, you just might have found community because this is part of it. We're a family and family's messy. It's easy to look at these descriptions of the early church and be like, oh, I just wish it could be like that again. But you look, you know, you flip a page to chapter five and, you know, there's people getting struck dead because they lied about their giving. So lesson, you know, noted there. Don't lie about your giving. But seriously, look at any of Paul's letters, right? The church has always been messy because we're, we're broken people. We're in, we're in the process, y'all, of growing in, in our discipleship to Jesus. And we all have baggage. And we all have indwelling sin. And we all get selfish sometimes. And we all have blind spots. Y'all know this. But the question is this. When community gets hard, what do we do? Do we kind of give in to cancel culture and be like, I'll make a new friend? Or do we gossip? We talk about them, but not to them. Or do we really lean in to the abundant resources that the gospel gives us? The gospel gives us endless resources of love and grace for one another. Because of what Jesus has done for us and the Holy Spirit empowering us, we can choose to move toward one another rather than away when things get hard. We can do this, but it's a choice. So loving unity, y'all. And, and y'all, this is super important. This is what Jesus says. He says, this is how, to his disciples, this is how the world will know that you're real and really that I'm the real deal is if you love one another and you remain one. That's how they'll know. So y'all, this, this is the reality we live in. John Mark Comer says this. He says, everybody enters a community with like this ideal of what it will be. They're like, oh, these people are just amazing, you know? And then over time, you start to see the reality of who they really are. And they're amazing sometimes, and sometimes they're not. 
And he says, discipleship happens in the space between. This is where we learn to love each other. This is where we learn to pursue unity. This is where we learn to be one. Y'all with me? So authentic relationships, loving unity. And third, I want you to see selfless interdependence. I gotta speed up a little bit here. Selfless interdependence, this means we're called to take responsibility for one another. And y'all probably saw this, it's kind of obvious. Chapter two, verse 45, this community is, is really countercultural. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Chapter four says it too. Says um, there was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. So this is why I say they took responsibility for one another. They were deeply committed to each other's good. So much so that when someone was struggling, we're all struggling. So they're, they're not using the words, oh, that's mine. They're saying, that's ours. You might need it more than me in a season. You're struggling. Well, we've got, we've got a little bit extra here. Take it. <laughs> it's ours. Can you imagine? It's a whole new perspective, y'all. This is costly. This is much more than casual friendship, right? Casual friendship, you don't talk about your finances. <laughs> you, don't, you don't ask for help. But in community, you do. This runs against our individualistic culture, our materialistic culture, even our consumeristic culture, where I could choose, we could choose to do more, I could choose to do more for myself, but why don't I see if there's a need? Why don't I, say, why don't I just take it? Sometimes there wasn't a particular need, they just took it and laid it at the apostles' feet. They just took it to their leaders and said, do whatever you think is best with it. Somebody probably needs it more than me. It's beautiful, y'all, taking responsibility for one another. And it's not just material or, or you know, financially. You could, here's a good study for you sometime. Uh, go on like Bible Gateway or somewhere and search the phrase one another. Look at all the things that the New Testament tells us to do for one another. Scripture commands us to be devoted to one another, to honor one another, to live in harmony with one another, accept one another, serve one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, admonish one another, encourage one another, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, to love one another. Y'all get the point. This is what true biblical community should look like, is taking responsibility for one another. So this is covenant community, y'all. This is our, we're answering our question, what is covenant community? I've tried to help you see this. It's a choice to live in authentic relationships, selfless interdependence, and loving unity with other believers in the local church. It's amazing, right? It's amazing what God calls us into. It's a beautiful thing and it's so, so good for us. Yes, there's a cost, but it's so, so good. It's so worth it. What do you think would happen? Can you imagine what it would be like to live in this kind of community? We've tasted it. Those of you who have been here, we, we, we taste this. But what if we could have more of it? What would happen? I wanna show you, Acts shows us a few of the effects of covenant community. I'm just gonna hit these super quick. Um, but one, it's really good for people. Acts 2.43 says, um, awe came upon every soul. They were, wonders and signs are being performed. Basically, what I mean by this is we experience God in covenant community. The Holy Spirit moves in covenant community. We grow in our faith, we're encouraged, we're challenged, we're transformed by God in covenant community. Second, the church grows. Do you see, you see that in 247? 
says they had favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. They were adding members every day. Why do you think? Not just because it was new or fresh or exciting. It was actually very dangerous to be a Christian at the time. It wasn't convenient. The reality is, y'all, if we're gonna reach people, it's not primarily going to be through people like me talking on a stage like this or big events or promoting our church. All that is fine and good. We'll do it. But it's probably gonna be through relationships and our community showing people a new vision for what their life could be, a compelling vision for this is what your life could be like following Jesus in our community. This is what the world needs to see, y'all. The world, our world needs to see the hope of Jesus in our community. We don't exist for ourselves. This kind of community doesn't just turn inward on itself. We're missional, we're on mission together. We're always thinking about who we're bringing in. Who could we bring in our community? They need Jesus and they need this. We know they're created for it and God's calling them to it. Let's bring them in. So it's good for us, the church grows. And third, ultimately, um, God is glorified. Y'all, this, this is the point of everything, right? This is the end of all that we do, all of our discipleship, all of our community, all of our learning, anything we do is to see this vision fulfilled that we see in Habakkuk 2, 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isn't this what we wanna see? I want everybody to know the glory and the beauty of God. So hopefully you're in, hopefully you're on board. You're like, you're right, I do need that. I do want that. Or maybe you're feeling a renewed sense of calling to community. I hope you are. Um, so the question is how? How do we have it? I'm gonna give you a super simple answer and it's this, it's from our definition of covenant community. It's a choice. It's a choice. This doesn't just happen. I guarantee you that. This doesn't just happen. It takes intentional investment. It takes time, y'all takes work. Yes, God is the one who does the work. God is the one who gives us these good gifts. God is the one who brings growth in our lives, in our church, in his kingdom. But y'all, we must choose it. And not just once, but over and over again. That's why in our definition of uh, expanding discipleship, we call it a commitment. Commitment is just an ongoing choice. Over and over and over again, I'm going to continue to choose this. So the obvious question, y'all, is where are you? Are you, are you committed? Are you committed? If you're in our church, are you committed to building this kind of community with one another? If you're new, would you choose? Would you choose to step into it? Y'all, if we're going to experience the fullness of what God has for us in this next year, we've got to make these choices and it's going to be so, so good. Following Jesus is the best life. He says that. I came to offer you life to the full. I promise it'll be the best thing for you, but you do get to choose. And I hope and pray that we will. We'll choose together and we'll commit together to this. So I wanna get really practical, okay? I've got like a few minutes left, okay? I'm watching this timer. Tad's gonna get on to me, okay? Um, we've got a few minutes here, but here's what I wanna do is I don't wanna end today without giving you some practical next steps. If you're one of these people who are like, okay, will you stop talking and just tell me what to do? Yes, I will. I'm about to. I'm gonna tell you exactly what to do. Because if you're in a place where you're, you're sensing this call and you're ready to respond to it, I want you to know practically what this looks like in our church. We don't do it perfectly, but we work to make space for this to happen, okay? So we've been talking about community and learning. We believe that healthy disciples commit to community 
and learning. And for us, this looks like um, two different spaces of discipleship. Again, we know they overlap. We know learning happens in community and community happens when we learn together. But we believe that it's right for us to give space to both. So that looks like community groups and learning environments, okay? Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna show you really practically. I'm gonna ask you to get your phone out, but I'm trusting you. Don't start texting, you know, don't start looking at where you're gonna go to lunch yet. Give me just a few minutes. But open your ICC app. If you don't have it yet, it'd be great for you to get, um, it's, you know, on the app store for free. And um, it'll really help you. All this is on the website as well, but this will help you. I'm gonna walk you through what we've done. We're, we're really working y'all to try and make these steps accessible to you so that you don't get stuck in a place where you're like, man, that one day in August, I really wanted community. And I don't know what happened after that. And now it's October and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, okay? I wanna help you take steps that you need to take. So once you get into the app, um, just go ahead and hit the button that says discipleship. It's gonna be kind of like our landing page. I'm gonna go and talk to you about community groups real quick. You can go and click that button that says community groups. Um, Here's what community groups are for us at ICC. They're groups where you find community, okay? Shocker. Um, but truly, these, th this is where community is a priority, um, where we focus on doing what we just talked about, sharing life, taking responsibility for one another, and pursuing loving unity, um, and where it's all intentional towards God. So three things that all community groups do is we have intentional community time, we pray together, and we grow spiritually together. So. One of the really cool things about, um, there's an FAQs button here you can hit that will give you more information later if you want it. But one of the really cool things about community groups here at ICC is that um, they form organically. So we as members of the church form community groups. We believe this is actually the best way to see this kind of covenant community, better than a programmatic approach where we just put out a list of groups and you show up or don't. We believe that it's better if we all take responsibility together and own community. So here's what that looks like. If you're here today and you're really sensing this call to community and you're in our church, I want you to really consider something. I want you to consider if God would have you be a part of forming a group. Yo, we need more groups to form. I'll just be honest with you because I believe we're gonna grow a lot this year. Think about the church in Acts. As God added to their number day by day, they needed to make space for these people to be, join their community, right? And sometimes that means, you know, you move from meeting in one house to now you meet in two houses. And for us, those are community groups. So I really want you to consider that, okay? Um, all you do is you click that button that says form a group, you fill something out, it's gonna come directly to me. It doesn't go into like some weird black hole. It comes directly to me and I'll know how to come alongside you. You won't do anything alone. You'll hear from me this week. We'll start talking about your group and we will have meetings throughout the year. Uh, we work to equip you and empower you and support you in every way that we can and that you need throughout the year to lead your group well, okay? So I really want you to consider that. If you're not in a place where you form a, you're ready to form a group, I would encourage you, again, if you're in our church, I'd encourage you to connect with a few people who you have relationships with, a few of your friends, and see what groups are forming. Maybe you could be a part of joining in a group that's forming. Um, if you're new to our church today, no pressure. Um, or if you're just in a place where I've been around for a while, but I haven't gotten connected enough yet to know how to get into community, that's totally great. We want you to hit that button, find a group. 
You're gonna fill out a quick thing. It's gonna do the same thing. Come straight to me and I'll help you find a group. We'll help you kind of figure out what is the right fit for you. All that makes sense? Okay, so today's the day to start considering what does community look like for you this year? Okay, I do wanna talk about learning now. Um, y'all, we believe that as we, as we live life together in community, there are areas of our lives that we need to be learning. We need to be learning more about what God says in his word and how it influences our lives. We're, we're committed to learning the way of Jesus together. And learning environments are where that is the priority, where you show up anticipating, I'm gonna learn and I know what I'm gonna learn and I know what I'm gonna do with it. We, we work to make our learning environments transformational and active. Transformational means it's not just about information. It's all geared towards life change and then active which means that you show up ready to engage. You're not a passive, it's not a lecture. Our learning environments are not lectures. Um, so when you click, sorry, if you go back to that you know, discipleship button, hit learning environments, you got a few buttons there. There's the first one says view all learning environments. I would encourage you to wait on that because that's gonna take you to the whole calendar, y'all. We've worked to build a really, what I believe is a really, uh, strong calendar for this year of learning opportunities. And they're not just random. These are things that we believe we need to be growing in this year. And some of them are offered multiple times because we want everyone to have opportunity to uh, participate. Okay. So um, you'll see it all there. Let me kind of give you an idea of what you're going to see. You're going to see three different, we have three different types of learning environments. Pretty self-explanatory, but I'll just run you through them real quick. One is classes. Classes means you meet regularly for a set amount of time. Um, so if you've, raise your hand if you've been a part of a men's or women's Bible collective here at ICC. Yeah, many of us have. So we'll be starting those back here in about a month, a little over a month. We'll be studying the book of Philippians in those. It's gonna be a really great semester. You can go and sign up today for that. Okay, you'll also see workshops. Workshops are um, one-time opportunities to grow in a specific area of your life. So um, our workshops are built around a rhythm of on the second Saturday of every month. Okay, so starting in September. So I think it's September the 9th, I wanna say, is the second Saturday. Um, and every month, you'll see a couple of opportunities on those days. So I want you to look through those and figure out what is that for you? A lot you'll recognize from last year if you've been around because we need and want more people engaging in those. But there's also some new ones. You'll see um, two workshops about foundational Christian beliefs. What are, the, what are the most important things that we believe as Christians and what do they mean for our lives? We really want, uh, we believe that's a, a great option for everybody. We'd love to see everybody engage in that this year. Um, last are conferences, kind of self-explanatory. These could be offsite like retreats or something, but they could also just be um, when we learn from maybe uh, an outside teacher or ministry or something, maybe we invite someone in, you know, we're not providing the, uh, we're not providing the discipleship or the learning. Um, for, you know, from our church. So does all that make sense? I want you to know what you're looking at because they're all gonna be labeled to help you know what, what you're looking at as you look through them. But here's the thing, I don't want you to feel overwhelmed. I know it could feel that way a little bit, but uh, we're even working to try and make this even more accessible to you. So you'll see a couple of extra buttons there on that learning page next to the view, view all. Um, and there's two, learning affinities and learning tracks. Okay, learning affinities are, the point is to help you find learning that is relevant to you and your, who you are, kind of where you're at in life, okay? So men, women, married, singles, uh, families, and then some that are just for everyone. I just wanna know what's for everybody. You can go there. Um, learning tracks 
are about where you're going. So if you're entering this year and you're, you know, I really wanna grow in um, like spiritual disciplines. I really wanna learn uh, more about that. You can click that and it'll take you, it's basically a filter. It's gonna help you categorize learning and look at um, things that are particularly helpful to you this year. Y'all with me? Okay, so y'all, we're gonna turn the corner and wrap it up. Um, here's what I wanna do. I told you at the beginning, healthy disciples, we believe are committed to community and learning. But I want you to know exactly what that looks like for you right now, today. So I'm gonna give you a couple of very simple next steps in order. So first, use the app if you can, it'll help you. Uh, if you don't have it, go ahead and get it because it'll be good for you to have throughout the year. Um, second, uh, consider what community looks like for you this year. I think that is your first step today. Is that being part of forming a group? Are you in a place where you're like, no, I, I'm gonna need some help. Go ahead and fill that out today. I'd love to go ahead and um, start getting those today so we can uh, get in touch this week, okay? Um, learning. I want you to ask yourself, what are the areas that you need to grow this year? Not all, uh, not everything that's on the learning uh, calendar is for everybody, okay? So don't feel like you need to do it all. You just need to figure out what, what's, what's for you this year. What do you need to grow in this year? Use those buttons, use those um, filters, the affinities and the tracks to help you. And last, here's what I wanna say is don't try to do it alone. After everything we've talked about today, it would be a shame for you to leave feeling like, well, I gotta go figure this out on my own. Um, we're, doing, we're gonna do this together this year. Uh, please connect with a leader. You can reach out to me anytime. All year, my number one goal for you is to grow. Okay, so you can reach out to me anytime. Today, we'll actually be, I'll be out at, there's a table right by the door and I'll have some other leaders out there with me to help you. If you've got a question today, please stop by on your way out. Uh, we would love to help you, okay? So look, y'all, I'm gonna um, invite the worship team to come, come back up and um, can I just pray? You know, I know this is really practical because I wanna make sure you have everything you need um, to, to take your next steps, but the first work is in our hearts. The first work is responding to this call. Because here's the reality, you're called to discipleship. Just like Jesus said to people in his ministry on earth, he said, come follow me. He invites you to the same thing. And if you've said yes, that looks like an active pursuit of him, seeking him daily, figuring out what are the rhythms in your life to help you grow into Christ-likeness, to be more like Jesus. That's what discipleship is all about. Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15:13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.